Hey guys, how are we getting on? Welcome back to the JCC podcast for episode number 47. I hope we're all well, having a fantastic day. Hope all of you guys had an incredible New Year's, an incredible Christmas as well. Um, I, for one, definitely had an amazing time. I, I was very, very fortunate and very grateful to have had my parents come over to us um, and stay in Melbourne for, I believe it was about 16 days or so, which was so much fun and great to see them over here. Um, great to spend some time with them, you know, and you guys too, well, with your friends, your your family, your loved ones, etc. It's such an amazing time of year, and hopefully all of you guys really enjoyed it. So this podcast is all about um, a January starter pack. As we all know, you know, January is a very, it's an important month. It's a month where we reflect on our on our previous year. Okay, so when we get to the end of the year, we reflect on on what happened, and when we talk about you know, health and well-being as a whole, we can ask ourselves, did we achieve our health and well-being goals? So did we make the change that we told ourselves that we would do in January 2022? Okay, just trying to remember the dates of the years now at this stage. But did we achieve that goal? And a lot of you guys will have. So I need to say congrats and a massive tap in the back to all of you. But a lot, a lot of you guys won't have done that, and that's mainly the reason, probably, what, um, mainly the reason why you're actually listening to this podcast. So hopefully, I can provide a lot of value to all of you. Who this podcast is for is for anyone who is, you know, either starting this for the first time, starting a body com- composition transformation, trying to lose body fat, gain some muscle tissue, etc., for the first time ever, and it's also uh, for someone who has tried this before. But over the last couple of months or even the last month or two has kind of fallen off the bandwagon and not achieved the goal and that that not achieved what they wanted to. Okay, and they've been out of the gym, they haven't had the consistency with their diet, their nutrition, etc. Okay. So think of this almost like a springboard into 2023. Okay. So number one is going to be goal setting. There's a couple of subheadings that we'll touch on in this one. And what you don't want to do is to set some unrealistic goals that are almost unobtainable and are far too aggressive in nature. For instance, if I said that in the by the end of January, I want to run 42K, 42 kilometers, okay, if, if that was my goal. That is just crazy, crazy talk on my end. I'd be lucky if I could run five kilometers now and um, being at the body weight that I am and the lack of running that I've done over the last two, three, four, five years, okay? So what's something a little bit more, uh, do you know, um, achievable for me would be to say, okay, I want to be able to run 5k in under, I actually don't know what the time is, usually, let's say in under 28 minutes or 30 minutes. That's a really specific and achievable goal. So from a body composition perspective, if you guys look at the, let's let's say the next 16 weeks is always a really nice time frame. If you wanted to lose X amount of, of weight in 16 weeks, um, that would be a really good goal for you to start with. If you're a 70 kilo individual, let's say, I'm just going to take this for an example, my advice to you would be trying to lose 0.7 or 0.35 to 0.7 kilos a week, okay? That's a very sustainable um, rate of loss is what that's going to be called. And exact, where did I get those figures from? That is 0.5 to 1% of body weight loss per week, okay? So 0.1 of 70 kilos is 0.7. 0.5% uh, of 70 kilos is 0.35. So that's the sweet spot, 0.35 to 0.7 kilos. And if you look at that for 16 weeks, 
is going to equal 11.2 kilos, okay? Some weeks might be more, some weeks might be less, but that would be a really good start, start uh, a really good start for you to set that goal. In, but in the next 16 weeks, I want to lose 11.2 kilos. Very, very attainable, achievable, and it's actually sustainable as well to lose that amount of weight. That for me is called the sweet spot, okay? If I told you in 16 weeks I want to lose 32 kilos, that is just crazy talk. And I believe that the more aggressive that you go, the less sustainability that you're going to have in the dieting phase, okay? So make sure that when you set your goals, they're realistic and they take into, into practice um, that uh, kind of equation that I've just run through. And the same goes for like if you're 90 kilos, you know, that would be 0.9 to 0 0.4 or 0.45 to 0 0.9 kilos a week. If you're 120 kilos, that is you know, 0 0.6 to 1.2 kilos a week. If you can stay in that sweet spot, that means that you're managing all the variables, which we're going to touch on later as well. If the second goal, and this is for anyone who's trying to gain weight and to gain muscular size, it's slightly different in that approach. I know that a lot of you guys listening to this will open the dieting phase, so I'm going to go through this a little bit quicker. What I'll be looking to do is kind of 1.5 kilo, 1.5% of body weight to maybe 2% of body weight gain a month. So let's say for that 70 kilo individual, that would be to gain, um, I'm just going to do this on my math on my phone, 0 0.7 times 1.5 is going to be um, 1.05 kilos a month, all the way to is going to be 1.4 kilos. So 1.1 kilos to 1.4 kilos a month would be a really good rate of gain. It's much, much slower. It's much more, you know, uh, it's a tactic that will help keep body fat levels down and it's much, it gives you much more of a runway into this phase, okay? So as I said, goal setting is going to be the key. When we talk about diving into the deep end, okay, before we dip our toe in the shallow end, that's going to be kind of point number two. And what we will typically see here is, as I just discussed a minute ago as well, trying to get, you know, the biggest effect in the shortest period of time. So we, you know, the individual, or if anyone's listening to this, who's going to go into a dieting phase, I do a five-day-a-week training program. I eat 1,500 calories, and I have six days of cardio, and I hit 15K steps every day. That is a recipe for absolute disaster. Yes, over the first couple of weeks, that if we start off at, let's say, 90 kilos, in the first four weeks, we lose, like, you know, seven or eight kilos. Amazing, it falls off as quick. But what happens after those four weeks? And I'm sure that you guys are nodding away going, yeah, I've done that before. That happened last January, which 99% of individuals who have tried to diet and didn't work in, in New Year, that's what happened. It's because we went too aggressive too early. So the phrase, that beautiful phrase, less is more. Less in terms of running the minimum effective dose to get the maximum result. What does that mean, Josh? What if we started off with, let's say, three or four workouts a week? What if we did one cardio session on top of that? We had a kind of a 10, 12K step count target, completely dependent on your job, by the way. But let's say, for instance, on average, that's the case. And we have for, let's say, a, like I said, this 70 kilo individual, we run 2,100 calories to start, uh, with the protein being 2.5 times body weight. That would be an amazing, that would be really easy to do. And I'm sure that there's someone listening to this who is literally exactly that body weight, who's saying, yeah, I, I could easily do that. I have lots of clients starting with me recently and telling me, I can't believe how much weight I'm losing 
without even it being a pinch. I'm not even hungry, do you know? I'm finding going to the gym easy and enjoyable. I'm not doing excessive cardio and I'm losing weight every week. I said, yeah, that, that's how it should be. And if you go back into your old ways of going kind of diving off the diving board into the deep end, straight off the bat, this kind of rebound effect will happen because it's an unsustainable plan. If you can't do what your plan says for six, you know, or eight or 10 months in a row, that's the definition of unsustainability. You could easily do what I just said there with the training days and the nutrition very easily for a long period of time, which means that it is sustainable. So start off low because if you start at the top of the pyramid, you have nowhere to go. You might get up to that at one stage at the very, very end of your dieting phase. But if we start at the bottom, then we can work our way up. It's like playing a game of cards. If you have all your cards to start and you play them all in the first hand, you have no cards left to play. Whereas if you play them slowly, one by one after one by one, you're, you're longer in the game. You have more skin in the game and you have more runway to progress over a long period of time. Okay, so point number two, and to be honest, if you take anything from this podcast, that is going to be the number one tool that we discuss. Number three, then, directly behind that is going to be enjoyment, okay, of the process. So there's no, I use this phrase all the time, you don't get any extra brownie points for eating chicken, broccoli, and rice cakes and going doing the cardio that you hate every single day okay yes that can be great in a a roundabout way for like mental resilience and doing the stuff that we don't want to do but inevitably that is just going to lead to as we just discussed unsustainability so if you guys look at my training program i don't think there's one single exercise i don't really like on there there might be one or two where i'm like oh okay cool we'll do this but I, i enjoy it when it's when i'm in it but for the most part, 95% of my exercises are all ones I love and I'm progressing well. If you guys look at my food intake, I'm eating beautiful. I had today, I had my avocado, my eggs, my bagels, which by the way is my favorite meal of the week. My cream of rice, my beef mince, my salmon this evening. Do you know all the meals that I love eating? I'm even putting a smile on my face just talking about them. And I'm actually getting a little bit hungry as well. So if, if I was to eat bland, plain, boring meals, am I going to stick to that? If AJ, my coach, told me, Josh, you just need to have you know, broccoli and you know baked beans for every single meal of the day. Sounds a bit, a bit weird, but let's say broccoli and chicken breast for every meal of the day. You're not allowed to have any carbs. No way. I wouldn't be able to sustain that. So everything I do from a coaching perspective, my number one um, you know, tool that I use or everything needs to work around is going to be sustainability and enjoyment, everything, because it's the most important variable. If you can't adhere to it long-term, it's not even worth the paper that it's written on. So make sure that you are creating a very sustainable plan with a the kind of the less is more approach and a very enjoyable plan as well. That is our, our number one priority. So in terms of training design, okay, I think the same stuff is going to come up again and again and again here. One, we want to try to find really objectively think and say ask yourself and write this down on a piece of paper how many days can or can you train a week and do you actually want to train a week you don't need to set up someone yesterday and they told me i can train six six or seven times a week i said absolutely no way are we doing that and she said on top of cardio as well i think so uh, cardio on top of that as well and i said absolutely no way Pull yourself down, as discussed, to minimum effective dose. If you can train two times per week, 
and that's it for now, you can always add to it. You can make a third session. If you can only train three, you can add a fourth. Four, you can add a fifth. I would never be training more than five days a week. My kind of sweet spot, what I would train is going to be four days a week. Enough recovery either side of your sessions. If you can train two times a week, what I would advise you doing is going to be a two full body sessions. Okay, that will result, I'm going to give you a bit of a, bit of a, uh, almost like a, a design of one that I'd work that I'd work with. And if you're doing, let's say, an upper body uh, dominant workout to start, I would do something like a, a lateral raise to start. I would do a horizontal chest pressing movement. I would do a horizontal rowing movement. I would then do a vertical pressing movement, followed by a vertical pull down movement. And then I would do a quad dominant compound movement, something like a hack squat, let's say. And then I would do a, a hamstring isolation movement, let's say a hamstring curl, and then an ab exercise of choice as well. If you had the time on top of that, maybe adding in an arm superset after the upper body workout, but that's quite a nice way of, of ticking all of your boxes in that session, okay? If you can do two full sessions a week, you would do two full bodies, my advice, rather than doing an upper and a lower, because the frequency of training then is gonna be two times a week, which would be far greater than one time a week. When I say frequency, that means how many times a week you're hitting each muscle group. If you can train three times a week, you have three options. One is gonna be full body, full body, full body. Well, the second and more kind of preferred method is gonna be an upper, a lower, then a full body. Still, with the three full bodies, you can hit three stimulus a week, frequency a week, excuse me. With the upper, lower, and full body, you still achieve two times stimulus per week, but you can spend a little bit more time in the upper and the lower body days. If you have days consecutively, Okay, if you have to train two days in a row, I wouldn't do your full body and full body back to back because you're going to be training the same muscle groups two days in a row. I would then do your upper, lower and your full body. Okay, if you have enough time to space it out, maybe the full bodies might work for you. Four days gives you a hell of a lot more variation. You can run an upper, lower, upper, lower, upper, lower. You can do a pull, push, legs and upper body split as I'm doing now at the moment. You can do an anterior, posterior split. You can do pretty much anything and everything that you want to do in four and even five days as well. But try and select one that suits you, that works into, that fits into your 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 schedule. And I was, I was gonna say work schedule, but any schedule as a whole. One that you feel that you can consistently do for the next 16, 24, 40 weeks in a row. Okay, because we wanna build, build that, maybe not 40, even for the next 16 to 20 weeks in a row. And then also what you need to take into account is how long you can and want to train for in the gym. I've one of my clients, Onya, um, has uh, just lived, or excuse me, lives in Singapore, just moved away to, move, moved recently with a newborn baby, can only train 30, 30 minutes or 25 minute sessions at home with very limited equipment. So what do we do? I didn't give her a 60 minute training program to train five times a week. What we did was we noted what she can and wants to train and how long she wants to train for, and we made a program that fits the bill for her, okay, tailored to her. So you need to do this for yourself, okay? Select a program that you can fit into your schedule in terms of how many days you're training, but also how long that you will be training for in each session, okay? Exercise selection then is gonna be next. So making sure that you're you know, giving yourself a good evaluation of your physique. If you're a complete new beginner, I would just try and train as many muscle groups as you possibly can across the week. I wouldn't do like a specification block. If you're like me, for instance, okay, and I have significantly weaker lower body than I do an upper body, 
I will train legs a little bit more frequently than anything else. So my volume will be a little bit higher. If you feel that, and for instance, like any females that want to try and bring up their glutes, any males that want to bring up their arms, or even males who wants to bring up their glutes, or females who wants to bring up their arms, that would just mean that you guys need to have a little bit higher volume on those muscle groups that you want to bring up um, across the week. Okay, but select exercises that, the next point actually is going to be to select exercises that suit you that you can connect very well with. If you're doing a chest pressing pattern and you feel nothing in your chest, everything in your shoulders and, and, and a lot in your triceps, change the exercise. Okay, and if you, do, if you feel that way for every single chest exercise, then maybe look at the execution of the exercise. But mainly find ones that you suit, suit you really well, you can connect with and you can progress over a period of time. What you guys may find is when you build this program, that you, when you get into training, you're gonna be incredibly sore, okay? And sometimes when this happens, I've hear, heard individuals, they say, oh, I'm just gonna take a week off training. Well, that, the same thing is just gonna happen over and over and over and over again. The, it's, it's a boring answer, but the only way for you to get over that, that DOMS, that delayed onset muscle soreness, is gonna to be to keep training through it. It'll take about a week to 10 days, but it will slowly get easier and easier and easier. Now, remember that DOMS and muscle soreness has nothing to do with muscle growth. There's no link at all. It will mean that, you know, like you probably feel the area that you trained, which is great that you're connecting well with it enough that it's sore, but it doesn't mean anything about muscle growth. So we're not chasing DOMS. What you can do from a recovery perspective and try not to look uh, uh, overlook recovery is gonna be sleep. Nailing your sleep quality on a week-to-week basis. Having concrete sleep and wake times across the week, especially during the weekdays, going to sleep and falling, going to sleep and waking up at the same time on a week-to-week basis. Your hydration status that you're gonna be using, staying very well hydrated, low level kind of walking and going out for some steps, getting out in some sunshine, you know, maybe a little bit of stretching post-sessions, a little bit of foam rolling, you know, these kind of things to get blood flow moving rather than just being static at a desk the whole time. High, high protein intake, as I said, maybe anywhere between kind of two and 2.5 or two to three times um, uh, grams per kilo of body weight, excuse me. So if you're again coming back to that 70 kilo individual, anywhere between 140 and 210 grams of protein, and dependent on which kind of uh, part of the sliding scale that you're gonna be on from an uh, experience standpoint. The more muscle mass that you have, I'd probably go slightly more towards a three grams per kilo of body weight. And the less muscle mass and less experience that you have, I would go more towards the two grams per kilo of body weight, okay? So high protein intake or a positive protein balance, hydration status, sleep, in, sleep quality, and stress management. Keeping stress low, doing guided breathing, you know, booking in for a massage, jumping into the sauna, getting out in some, some sunshine, you know, going for a sea swim, getting out in some nature, doing some yoga, all these kind of nice relaxing things that we can do as well. The last thing that we'll touch on and probably one of the biggest points that I've taken from 2022 was food quality. So I've been one where I've been pretty, you know, uh, open about the thought that, actually I'll rephrase this as well, sorry, the words aren't coming out for me like like I want them to. I've been one who's always thought that calories are calories, macros are macros, it doesn't really matter where they're coming from. But this year I can't, I've, so the previous year I'd been eating, you know, English muffins and jam and things that are higher in sugar and things like that, a little bit more processed food, not looking after my off-plan meals as well as I could have, you know, and having chocolate every now and again. 
this year has been a lot different. And it doesn't mean that you can't have those, of course, but, but definitely a lot less than I did last year. My food quality, if, I'm, if I may say so myself, has been pretty much impeccable. Day to day, you know, even the weekends, I'm really looking after the food quality. It can still mean I can go out and have a steak and a glass of wine with my friends. It still means I can you know, have a dessert every now and again. But it's not like every day of the week or it's not you know, multiple, multiple times a week. So try and look after the food quality, so the nutrient-dense meals, okay? Uh, high quality, you know, lots of colors, flavors, textures, families of fruit and veg, different amino acid profiles coming from chicken, beef, salmon, whitefish, tuna, whey, eggs, you know, all these kind of things. Also tempeh, soy, uh, any vegan protein powders, etc. vegetarian as well. The more flavors, families, groups, textures, colors, all the stuff that I've just discussed here, the better amino acid and nutrient dense profiles that can occur and it's very very good from a gut microbiome perspective to keep your stomach and digestion in a very good spot the second last thing uh, the last two things is going to be around the amounts of food or, or how you're tracking your meals okay so i'd like to call this kind of like the period uh, the pyramid of um experience so the top of the, we'll start from the bottom only. Okay, if you're really new to, to, to tra training, and if you're really new to nutrition, etc., um, do you need to be tracking, you know, the all of your macronutrients on your meals? No, I don't think so. The very low level of the pyramid, and this may may seem a bit of a shock to you guys. I've actually set up someone today with a nutrition plan that all we're doing is counting the amount of nutrient dense meals that that individual is having. I want a fist size of protein, a good quality, complex carbohydrate source, and some fruit or veg on the side of that. That's it, okay? Because they don't need anywhere near the, the higher end of the pyramid. Will they progress and maybe move up to that at some stage? Potentially, you know, that, that may well be the case. But for right now, all that this individual needs is how many nutrient dense meals. And simply put, this is just bringing mindfulness to the plate. Is bringing mindfulness to the meals. Are we having enough protein per meal? Does the plate look colorful? Does it have fruit and veg? Does it have complex carbohydrates, etc.? The second block up on the pyramid is going to be tracking our calories only. Okay, so calorie tracking only. Once we get really good at that, maybe then we can, and you're still having the mindfulness to your meals and, and how many protein sources you're having. The next block up then is going to be protein and calories only okay so you just do your protein and calories so you're still tracking your your you're measuring how much protein intake that you're having on a day-to-day -day basis the next one up from that is going to be overall macronutrients and calories so you're going to be tracking your protein your carbohydrates your dietary fats and your calories as well okay it's a really nice pyramid to run through and the last one is going to be a set meal plan okay where you can run off you know having you know, lists of foods where you can be really, really consistent and repetitive with a little bit more. For for you guys, and I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, it's going to be people who are trying to either produce a transformation or get a transformation for the first time, or you've been struggling a little bit over the last period of time, I'd probably run with just the macronutrients and calories at the top of your pyramid. I only do that. I don't run off a meal plan. AJ doesn't set that for me. I create one myself and I'm repetitive with it, but I have the option to rotate foods in and out if I, if I please. I think from a, a longevity standpoint, giving you that flexibility is much, much more beneficial long-term. The last bit and a very important part of the process, boring word, but patience. 
you will not aggressively transform your physique muscularity wise particularly in you know, four weeks six weeks eight weeks it's going to take a little bit longer yes you can pull off body fat very very quickly in 16 weeks is a really good time frame for you to start you can make significant changes in your physique in that time period and more so in 20 weeks even more in 30 weeks even more in 40 and even more in 52 what you, what you want is skin in the game for a long period of time skin in the game determining the amount of sustainability and consistency that you can bring across this year is going to determine your results ebb and flowing aggressive here drop off here aggressive here yo-yoing through the year is not the way that is unsustainability what you want to have is consistency and the consistency comes with sustainable program design enjoyment being number one priority and taking your time and enjoying the process okay so i can guarantee you if you look after those variables you will look after everything else so guys, that is going to conclude the podcast. So hopefully you, you guys have taken some value, hopefully a lot of value from this as well, and that you can start to implement all of this into your own lifestyle, into your own training program design, into your own nutrition, and have an incredible 2023, achieving the best physique you've ever achieved in your life, and actually getting to the end of 2023, reflecting on the year and said, you know what, damn, I'm going to give, my, I give myself a, a tap in the back here. I did really well this year. I've done everything that I needed to do. Let me make another goal for 2024. However, if you do feel that you need some help in this area, you know, if you need someone to take the stress away from, if you're a little bit unsure of how do I create that training program? What lifts do I need to be doing? What areas of the body do I need to bring up? What my, is my nutrition protocol? What, air, what block of the pyramid do I need to run with? Where does my protein need to lie? What is my experience level? What do I have to do from a step count, cardiovascular uh, target perspective? What's my routine, my structure, etc., and all the variables that come with program design. If you need some help with that and would like someone to take away all that stre- those stressors so you can pretty much do the things that you love to do, train hard, eat well, and sleep, then online coaching might be a, a really good idea for you. January was and probably will be our biggest month of coaching to date. Fantastic. And thank you for everyone who has applied for online coaching and who signed up already. So January intake is still running at the moment. And if you'd like to jump onto a free consultation call with myself, I'll leave a link in the description in here for you to fill in a brief application form. At the very end, hit the big orange button that says book in your free call and select a consultation time that suits you. If January isn't the month for you, we're also going to be running a really big intake in February, which I know a lot of you guys have already messaged me about and have booked in your calls for, which is absolutely incredible. You can pre-book your calls for Feb. Um, and I would love to jump onto a call with anyone who's listened to this and chat everything through. Other than that, guys, keep sharing the podcast, keep dropping me messages, ask me any questions that you have. I really appreciate everything and looking forward to catching you all in the next one.